you're listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Good day to all the listeners all across the world. Now we can say that since we've been listened to in three continents, Asia, Europe, and North America. This is the Over Six Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach the Bandit, Burke, and with me himself, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Cam, how are we doing tonight? Oh, doing well. Montreal came off another big win yesterday. They're kind of up and down, but beating Winnipeg when they need to, so things are good. How are you, Burke? I'm great. Thank you for asking. I also am thankful that the Habs won last night, or whenever they posted last night, they played. Okay, I'm I'm thankful that they won. And I'm also thankful that Edmonton lost because the Leafs did not have a good week. But the teams right behind us are also not winning every game. So I appreciate it. And not very often would I say that I'm happy that the Habs won. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to all the North Division recap and kind of the halfway point now of the year. But uh, we'll get on the headlines from this weekend. Well, we got a good show. We got got a good show coming up. We got a lot lot of good stuff coming up. So one thing before we get into headlines, Cam. So... Uh, as I like to do kind of at the start of uh, the start of shows, I just want to shout out, uh, we had another listener in, in the U.S. Uh, this past week from Illinois. So shout out to our listener in Illinois. Hopefully you enjoyed the Over Six Sports podcast and hit us up on Twitter. Anybody who listens to this podcast, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can also send us an email uh, to over6sports at gmail.com. Let us know where you're listening from, how you heard of us. We would be happy to right back or you can write us an apple a review on apple podcasts and let us know that way so cam let us get into this week's headlines we got quite a few because it's been an interesting week in sports to say the least yeah well let's start it off with golf we had the players this weekend and it's kind of the fifth major as some people say it it's always a tpc sawgrass which is just a fun course to watch and uh justin thomas comes out after missing missing the cut through 26 holes ends up coming back and having the best weekend in players history and uh see another reason to follow us on twitter i gave you the hint sunday morning to take jt at plus 500 comes through so that was a nice payday for me cha-ching and he's just a fun guy to root for i know you had kind of an issue with him with the slur earlier this season but i mean everyone makes mistakes but everything he's he's just a fun guy like he has fun out there the shot shaping he does, he's he's someone who's fun to cheer for. Well, and actually, you know, Justin Thomas aside, I mean, I think that he obviously played one of his more complete games that he's played in a while. Um, uh, what, what I was really fascinated uh, to watch on the weekend, besides Justin Thomas, was just seeing Lee Westwood and Bryson DeChambeau just look like, well, I was going to say look like you and me, but really just look like me. <laughs> Well, it was just fun. There was like a 10-minute real-time stretch there where you had Bryson top at 140 yards into the water. Done Lee that. Westwood hit a 100-yard slice into the water. Done that. And then you had Brandon Todd like five minutes beforehand almost hit the second island on 17. So like just a cold shank with – they're hitting like pitching wedges nine irons there and just cold shanks it. I have not hit it to a second island, frankly, because I don't play courses that have islands because that's, you know – that's that's rich golf courses i don't i don't hit those up as much the munis don't generally have multiple islands so i mean he did end up in the water not on the island so i've seen oh, you do well, that before 
yeah, I mean, I've been in the water a lot. It's actually, we were commenting today that we have, we have one buddy, shout out, shout out Kyle. We have one buddy who, um, we were on a golf trip a couple of years ago and this guy hit it on the, hit it in the water on a hole in Niagara and, uh, and double and double splashed it. So hit it twice into the water. And so anytime there's like a meme or a photo that comes up or a joke about hitting the water, this guy always gets, it's always like, Hey Kyle, this is you. And I'll just say, like I was saying to you earlier today, I more than likely I've hit the water more than Kyle, but as long as you don't do anything memorable, if it's not memorable at all, nobody even get, nobody bothers you. It's great. Yeah, if it's not on video as we're doing a can you break par <laughs> challenge, then it's even better because nobody really remembers it. But then no, we have of a video not. of it forever and that makes it more fun. Well, there's no proof that it didn't happen. So moving along, we had the Briar Championship this weekend and there was definitely some good curling. You definitely saw same thing with the women from the previous week. A lot of rust out there for some of the groups, but ended up being a pretty good last uh, game there. Let me ask you this. So what... Which um, were you more entertained by the Scotties tournament of hearts, or were you more entertained by the Briar? I think actually overall, I was more entertained by the Scotties. I was as well. I, I probably watched more Scotties than I did Briar. I had a tough time getting into it. Well, that just says something, though. I actually found that the women's tournament was was super exciting. The curling was exceptional. I mean, the men's was good as well, but for whatever reason, I just I, I'm with you. Like watching the Scotties, you're tuned in all the time. There's you know, and there's, there was, and it's the same as the men's. There's, there's always a lot of people who can win that tournament. I mean, in the Briar, you know, Wayne Madaw was right there, the whole tournament, the championship uh, ga- or the, you know, the championship pool games on Friday, Saturday kind of came up short, but they were there all week. Um, so it just goes to show, Hey, like I had even said before, like I, you know, I saw Howard, it's, uh, you know, had snuck in as a wild card and I didn't think they had a chance. Now he didn't play much because obviously he he was coming off of an injury serious snowmobile accident but you know Wayne Madaw pulled that team and there's lots of other teams he you know Dunstone I thought you know was right there um you know Jacob's team had a sniff Gushu was had a sniff at it and um and it, obviously you know Cooey and Cooey and Botcher were in the in the finals but I just was not as entertained as the Scotties frankly no, and I found there was quite a few boring games, and even the last one, it was great curling, and both were great, and we got to give props to Botcher and what he did. Three second place, finally pulling through. But even that game, it was just so defensive, so boring. They're like, and you saw that kind of all week where teams were a little rusty, so they just really wanted to play boring almost and just not really try and score and just play defense. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's similar to, you know, there is purest of the game who will say, you know, we don't like the run and gun, all that kind of stuff. They, they play a more defensive game, and that's an older style that people like. Similar to football, man. Like, you know, if a score in a football game is 10 to 7, that's a terribly boring game for me personally. But other people find that entertaining because teams are actually playing defense, right? Some people don't find 50 to 43 games as entertaining. I do, but... And that's the thing, right? Like, the final game I found watching it, it, it got to the 6th, 7th end, and I... It, it was... It, at one point, it was almost unwatchable, in my opinion, at least. And then, and even the the tenth end, I mean, I know that you know Botcher made a great shot to kind of snooker QE at the end, but like when the briar ends on you just shaking hands, like you don't even bother throwing a shot down, like that's lame, man. You, you want that final throw, you know. Even my wife was saying, if that was me, I would have just chucked it down. I know I had no chance, but I just want to chuck it down and blow it up. Like I don't want to end on a handshake like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you have like really no chance at this shot, but why not just throw the rock down there, try and bang around a bunch of rocks and see what happens? 
But that's kind of what I went into the final, and I don't not the biggest fan of watching Botcher curl. And you saw it all week. He ended up going the week with the lowest scores against him. So it's just a lot of defense, a lot of boring curling, in my opinion. I think the one thing to look out for, and this is kind of a preview for the Worlds coming up in a couple of weeks, is, is that you have to be really careful playing that defensive game because if you're not scoring a ton of ends, like, sorry, a ton of points, right? If you're not scoring a ton of points and you're blanking a lot of ends and you, you know, do all that kind of stuff, if somebody gets a three or a four spot on you, now I know they got a, they got a, you know, a big score against QE that was, but I mean, QE's rock picked, so it is what it is. But, you know, you got to be really, really careful. And obviously, anybody who's watching curling is going to cheer for Team Canada and the Worlds. But if you play that super defensive game, and you just don't, you know, you, you haven't played, having to play getting pushed, having to play catch up, having to play offense, that can really come back and bite you in the ass, right? Because t- teams like Nicholas Dean are gonna are, you know, they're they're just a, such a solid team. They've been around for so long that, you know, if you get behind the eight ball on these guys, they're, they're not letting you. They're not letting you up. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how he does at Worlds. It'll be a different challenge for him because I don't think he's seen these guys as much. So uh, Nicholas Adine's probably, I'd say probably ends up going in as the favorite, but probably. we'll see in a couple of weeks. Yeah. The one thing I want to mention, the last thing about curling as well, and I don't think we touched on this before, but um, Einerson is actually going to get to represent Team Canada and the Worlds for the women's. They moved the tournament to the weekend after the men's. So originally it was canceled, I believe, for this year. That was, I think it was supposed to be in Switzerland or somewhere around there. And they actually ended up just moving yep. the tournament to Calgary. So I feel awesome because we had touched on that, that I had felt bad that hopefully they had the tournament because if she was Team Canada two years in a row and never got to represent Team Canada, then I thought that was pretty shitty. But, you know, glad that, uh, you know, that Curling Canada and, and that, uh, you know, the community in Calgary could could step up and and uh, and support the Women's Worlds. And I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, it should be fun. So just moving along here we kind of had big nfl news with uh kind of expected but drew Brees retiring yeah and we we had talked about that i mean i think that the phrase was you know i had said drew Brees is retiring and you're like is he and i'm like i don't actually know but i thought it was really cute you know kind of the way that his kids you know he, he gave it to his kids on instagram because at the end of the day that's kind of what I mean, most guys in the NFL, when they retire, I mean, some retire because of injury, but a lot of them retire because of family, right? They've been gone for, you know, he's 15, 15 seasons in, uh, in New Orleans. And, you know, obviously the kids are around, but it's still a lot of pressure on the family. You know, you're not seeing like dad's going to be away eight weeks of the year minimum and, and, and sometimes more. And there's also that off season training, training camp, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So really happy for his family that they get to experience that. And, and he's moving into a role with NBC, um, as a, as an analyst, which I think he'll do a great job at. Yeah. And he's kind of, you watched the last year there. I know he had some injuries, but it definitely seems like he was on the downside of his career, not quite doing what Brady's doing and still is up there. So it's nice to see a guy with the stats, the accolades he has walking away while he's still good and not watching another year of maybe him being worse than he was this year. I mean, he's still one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, one of the best of this past generation, and you can't really argue that looking at his stats. Unless you're an Atlanta fan. Yeah, because Atlanta fans don't like uh, Drew Brees too much, but there's a little bit of bias there. (laughs) Yeah, so again, moving along here, we are recording this on Tuesday, so free agency technically hasn't started till Wednesday or however it works. So it's Tuesday, March 16th today. And yeah, so I think free agency is the 17th or the 18th, I believe it's over, yeah. but I think it's the 17th. 
But uh, really, there's not too many exciting things. We had Aaron Jones staying in Green Bay. A few teams moved around contracts. Winston staying, Cam Newton staying. Uh, but the big surprise here has been the Pats. And they are just spending on everybody. Were they the second most uh, guaranteed money in NFL history? What was the, yeah. what was the deal there? Yeah, that's the second most now guaranteed in an offseason here. So it's just they're adding a lot of, I'd say, B players, B-plus players. I mean, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are, are definitely some really good tight ends in the league. But like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and then they added Judon, too, to add to that D. I mean, they Cam, definitely Cam Newton added, resigned as well. Yeah, they've added a lot of pieces here. So we'll see. I mean, you don't really, if Cam's what he was last year, they don't have a chance at anything. No chance. But sounds like everybody is opting back in this year on their defense. So, I mean, if anybody's going to scheme a plan around Cam, we've seen he's won an MVP before. There's a chance you can build a scheme around him and he can succeed. So we'll see if the Patriots can do that. Well, and I, you know, you see memes flying around that, you know, if you, if you can't, if you don't, didn't cheer for us when we were, you know, seven and nine, you can't cheer for us when we're eight and eight or something like that. I think it was six and six and 10. I don't know. Something along those lines. Um, I, you know, and you kind of mentioned it to me, well, you guys got up, you know, that are opting back in and all of this stuff, but I are the, I feel like the Patriots are getting a little bit, and I kind of said this to you earlier, right? That, you know, Bill did not have the great, they didn't have the greatest year last year. But I think that Brady winning a Super Bowl absolutely lit a fire. I mean, Bill Belichick's such a competitor, and the Patriots are competitor competitors. They always are trying to win, just like every football team should. But they've done it successfully, and I I wonder if you know Bill looks at this and says Tom Brady won a ring. He wants his legacy back. You I, you know you can't tell me that this guy didn't pride himself that it was his system which won them Super Bowls, right? Yeah, for sure. So they had the most money to spend and they went out and did it. And I think the big sign was keeping Cam and then they wanted to spend that rest of the money around Cam to see if they can scheme something up. So it'll be interesting to see what they do because you look at it and Bill Belichick's been the best coach over the last 20 years now. So, Well, i just like to say too that they better not restructure any of these deals. Like it's horseshit. If I see next year that all of these deals that they sign that are longer than one year are now all restructured and they start bringing in more cat, like, like get out of here. It's and we've talked about this in a group chat of ours, our Madden group chat, and we talked about a couple other things. But it's such a like ridiculous thing that should that's happening. Like Mahomes restructuring his like Brady restructuring his contract, he's been doing that forever. I mean, you can compare it to the NHL where guys, you know, especially at the the later end of their careers, are taking you know, league minimum salaries and all that kind of stuff. Fine. The chiefs restructuring Patrick Mahomes to get more cap space. Like you just signed the deal last year. I'm, I'm sorry. It is this, it is the stupidest fucking thing ever. I don't understand how, like, why would you not just have what, what MLB does and just have it as, okay, it's a, you know, it's, there's a cap penalty. You have, this is the cap. And if you're over it, you have to pay financial penalties and that increases over the years because this whole restructuring garbage is, it's got to stop. It's, it's not like, it's really not within the, well, it's sorry. It's within the confines of the game and of the CBA or whatever they're doing. But I don't know. Ethically, it just seems so weird that, you know, I can sign, like if you sign a contract with work and imagine if they're like, yeah, you've been doing really good. You're in year one of your five year, but how about you take less money? Cause we want to hire more people who the fuck's doing that. Nobody, but in the and, NFL, that's fine. 
I mean, you don't like Taysom Hill making 140 million now over the next four years. I mean, yeah, because that's going to happen. He'll never see any of that. But right now, it looks how much like of that was guaranteed? Was there anything guaranteed there? No, it's all voidable. So it's next fake year, money. So. It's paper yeah. money. Like you might as well just start paying players and monopoly money because it's it's worth basically the same. Actually, it's worth more because monopoly money for a pack of it's probably five bucks, and there's some of these contracts that'll get paid zero dollars. Stupid. It's just funny looking at it now. Taysom Hill's a thirty-five million dollar a year quarterback. Yeah, bar- yeah, barely. Uh, he- he's almost worth as much as Dak. Which, hey, that's a different argument. You can have that argument later on. <laughs> so moving along, then we'll get into our NHL recap for this weekend, and it was an uh, interesting weekend to say the least. I mean, yep, could have been better, could have been worse for both of us. Yeah, I, um, for me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll get the final tally when we go over the games here, but I have one shining bright spot, and I will get to that in a few minutes. So hit us with the first game. First game, uh, we got the Jets and Leafs. The Jets won 5-2. to two. Yeah, so, oh, man, that just, they just, yeah, it wasn't, I don't know. There's been a lot of stuff that people were talking about. You know, all the officiating was bad that game. Did you have a look at the analytics on that, by the way? Yeah, the Jets were the better team that game. Yeah, I didn't quite, think that quite significantly. Yeah, so I mean, everybody in you know, Le- like a lot of Leaf social media was you know complaining about referees and this, that, and the other thing. Keith got teed up, fined twenty five thousand in that game, and you know, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, if your team's paying playing bad, you, you know, firing up the team, taking a penalty or whatever, sometimes it's effective. But even you know when the Leafs played on Sunday, like. Man, they just—it just seemed like they had a five-day break coming up. They knew it was coming up, and they were just completely out of gas. Yeah, I mean, the other couple games against the Jets, Hellebuck was definitely the story, but that game, the Jets were just the better team. And you can argue the refing, but we've gone over it time and time again. The refing's just bad across the board. Oh, it's terrible. Like that call tonight in the Boston Pittsburgh game. We're never going to get to that, so we can talk about it now. But somebody hits somebody with an open ice check. 15 feet from the boards the guy falls into it and it's a five minute major like what what is that yeah so i mean you'll get you'll get every team complaining about calls and stuff but if you just watch games like watching this boston pittsburgh game i don't have a rooting interest the officiating's been terrible it just both ways i don't think it's either team so when i hear that from Leafs fans i'm like just watch the entire nhl right now unbiased and you'll realize that the rest are just bad and i don't know why this season but this is some of the worst officiating I've seen in the NHL. But again, Saturday, the Jets came out wanting to win that series and they were the better team. Well, and, you know, they they closed the gap a little on the Leafs. So, you know, they got five out of six points. Um, thankfully, the Leafs got two points. So, you know, it's a three, it's, it's really a three point difference. So it's, you know, they won two in regulation, but it's huge that the Leafs at least got the two points because you're able to chop that out a little bit, right? I can take a three-point... Like, I can, I can take giving up three points. I, I'm fine with that. You know, giving up six? Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a big problem. That would have been a yeah. huge, massive, massive problem. So, I, I'm okay with it. So, moving into the next game, we both took the Leafs on that one, so we both lost that one. The next game was uh, the Habs versus the Flames, and the Flames took that one 3-1. I mean, I'll touch on this one first. The Flames just look like a different team under Sutter now. They're 3-0 and and just they've changed their style. They seem to care more. They're just playing simple, hard, fast hockey. Yeah, and I and we kind of touched on that a little bit, right? Like, And, and we thought that would happen with the Habs a couple of weeks ago. 
And this is what we were talking about. Like this, this boost from the coach, we were talking about this with the Habs, they, and it just didn't happen. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they just, I mean, I thought they played well in those games after the coach, but they just didn't get the bounces, whatever it was. But, you know, Sutter, as we said last week, Sutter came out in first practice, he's their bag skating and they win three games. I mean, this guy's been around the league for so long. He has the respect of so many people in the league. And there's obviously a reason for it, man. You know, Calgary, they're looking good. Like, they're looking, and and they're they're going to be fighting for that that three four spot, um, with a couple other teams. So, this is you know it's okay to be not so good at the start of the year. Like there's a lot of runway left, but you got to start heating up at the right time. So and again, not to make it all Leafs talk, but like again, Leafs are in a skid now. Turn it around, second half of the year, you know, start ramping it up. And I think Calgary started this earlier. So, so I think they've you know they're at a spot right now where they've won a couple in a row. If they can keep this momentum going, then it'll carry them into the into the top four and into the playoffs. Well, that's what you're learning in this division. I guess, I guess it's probably in any division this year. You win three games in a row against the right teams, and you're back into any position. I mean, you could see that if Edmonton went into Toronto and won three straight now after losing that series earlier. It would just change the entire complex of the division. So it's nice to see the Flames come in. And I mean, we definitely, over this weekend with some of the wins and losses, this division got a lot more interesting and a lot more fun just from the outside looking in. Absolutely. it's It's been, um, I, I like that everything is close. So it's yeah. uh, it'll make it really interesting the last couple of weeks. So we both took the Habs in that game. So we're both 0 for 2. So that was so, good so start. Good. The uh, next game here, we had the Canucks Oilers. Actually, I had the Jets in the first game. So I actually did win that one. Uh, yes, yes. Cause I, I, yeah, because you, yeah. Cause I think we finished with a similar record, but yeah. So the next game we had Canucks Oilers, the Canucks one, two, one. And I mean, I'll touch on this first. Thatcher Demko is the story of the NHL right now in the North division. I think he just got one of the three stars of the week and he's just playing unbelievable. How's he been? How is he so bad at the start of the year? Like, and like so bad. And then all of a sudden he's like, and I'm not sure if his, his team is just playing better in front of him. Like he's actually seeing pucks. He's not, you know, giving up those two. Like they're not giving two on two on ones, three on ones, all these breakaways, and they're playing better defensively. So he's in a better position to make those saves. Or if he's just turned flipped the switch and now is playing out of his mind. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think at the beginning of the year they were almost running Holtby a lot, even after Demko was so good in the bubble last year. Right. And now he's had a couple of good games and they've just said, <clears throat> It's you. Like, go with it. It's you. You're the starter. He's facing the most shots in the NHL right now, and he's playing amazing, keeping them in games. So, I mean, again, even Vancouver, you look at it. If they start winning a few against the right teams right now, they could get back in this division quickly. Well, that's how we had talked about, right? Like, it's close. I mean, even if you look at Ottawa, what's Ottawa? Eight eight points behind? Yeah, so. So, they're, they're, when, as I said, they're, they're slipping a little bit. Um, I mean, they've won some games, but they're, and they got a long way to go. I don't see it happening, but it's still, I mean, the difference between first place and last place is what? Nine game. It was at least have 40 points. Yeah, I believe so. So at least have 40 and the, uh, senators have 22. So 18, it's only nine games, nine games. There's not much season left, but still like it's not, they're, they're eight points behind on, on fourth place in the North. So Eight, eight, eight points and you get a couple like they lose a couple you win a couple you're right there yeah they've played the most games which i think hurts them as well but uh you did take the canucks there so that was a nice pickup i took the oilers so that was uh 
not so good for me, but we're both uh, weren't so good through the North Division games. No, it's been it's been tough. But the good news is, Cam, as we Sunday. move into the lock of the week. So Sundays, I'll touch on my game first. I had the Wild over the Coyotes. I didn't end up liking the number. It ended up being minus 200. Should have changed it to puck line, but I called money line on Tuesday when we did it. So had to keep it. I mean, the Wild were just the better team. Kaprasov brings a spark to that team and everybody stepped up and Ranta tried to keep the Coyotes in. He said a couple of massive games and just not quite good enough. Yeah. I mean, I had the wild in a, I threw the wild in a parlay as well. Um, you know, they, they just look good. You know, they look then Arizona's kind of been, been scrappy all year, similar to, to Ottawa. They can win some games, but Hey man, the wild are, when you get good goaltending like that, it, it, it makes the, it really easy for the rest of the team to, to be successful. Yeah, so then we'll move into your lock after I hit mine. We had the Canes and Red Wings, and the Canes pulled it out 2-1. Okay, I got one thing I want to say about this. So I did say some things last week about the Red Wings. And to all the Red Wings fans, I would like to apologize for absolutely nothing because they suck. And they lost just as I thought they would. See you later. I don't want to hear this this garbage. Now I've bet on Detroit twice. And twice they've, uh, in the last couple of weeks, one was not on the pod. One was on the pod. And they lost both times. So Detroit can suck it. I'm now redeemed again from three or four weeks ago. And I also, now that being said, I will say that I did pick Detroit. I have another parlay. I threw it up on our Twitter at Over 6 Sports. Uh, I had a six-teamer, and I did throw Detroit into that uh, six-teamer tonight versus Carolina because I figured they might be a bounce-back game, and they're up 3-2 right now with seven minutes left in the third. So for all you Red Wings fans out there who don't like my Red Wings hate, I did break my own personal rule and always fade the Red Wings. I did bet on them tonight, so you're welcome. But I'll take the lock. Yeah, so overall kind of average weekends for us. I actually was slightly up, which was nice to see. You were still down a little over a unit oh. just with your picks. So I was just up just over a unit. So, or just not even, I was up 0.3 units, but it's still positive. So I'll take so it. What was that I puts, down? You were down 1.3. How? Weekend. Uh, it's just, that sucks. You're hitting your favorites and not hitting anything else. I got to hit some dogs, man. So you're uh, really struggling through this season here. It's uh nine and nine for twenty one. Okay, so so close to fifty percent. That's not terrible. I mean, like really good cappers are sitting around sixty sixty five percent usually. So that's not bad. But you're down a little over five units now. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, well, that's the thing. I mean, the one thing that I will say about our picks and units and stuff, like we'll do it for the podcast, but like realistically am i going to bet the same amount of units on a dog as i am going to bet on uh on a favorite probably not in real life it's fine my 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 account is looking just fine but for the purposes of what we're doing here yeah the units aren't looking so good well don't be scared to throw a couple units on a game so then you look well, at what the hey ho hang on a second i i did a couple weeks ago i think i what did i throw two units on yeah uh, on detroit fired. to lose yeah, well, that I, I what was I gonna do? Bet on that again? Like, like fuck! I'm not betting more than one unit on Detroit again. I got crushed for that last time. So me here, I'm sitting eleven for twenty-one, and 
up 0. 0.02 units. So Oh, so you give me shit about being down units and you're up 0. 0.02. Good lord. So we'll kind of move into this week's games and it's kind of an interesting week this week because both Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto, Calgary played back-to-back Friday, Saturday. So we're going to touch on the Saturday games really only, which is tough to do when they play back-to-back yeah. and they're choosing it Tuesday. We'll start it off with Vancouver-Montreal on Saturday, the second game of the back-to-back. Okay, so I feel like we should kind of, like, we should, I, I'm going to throw out a disclaimer that I feel like we should be able to revise our pick on Saturday. Like, we should be able to tweet it out, revise the pick, depending on what happens on the Friday night. Because, like, okay, if there's a Thursday game and then a Saturday game, that's one thing. But when you're doing back, like, I don't even know who's in net. Like, I don't know. I don't know who's playing what night. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to bet on, um, I mean, yeah, Montreal's fine. Right. Like I, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about that necessarily because they got Allen and price, but like, I don't want to bet on Vancouver. If Demko's on a net, I don't want to bet Hutchison versus Calgary or like Calgary when Mark's like, I don't want to do that. What do you think? Can we do Can we, can we do a, a revised Saturday based on Friday night? Or are we just, you're still going to make us pick it or do you want to pick both? Yeah. Let's pay attention to the Twitter on the weekend and just kind of go over what we think is going to happen in the series then. So, cause we don't want to do that. Like we don't generally want to, to change picks based on that kind of stuff. Like it kind of defeats the whole purpose, but I also don't like throwing out picks on a Tuesday and then the games are on the Saturday where literally you could get guys hurt on a Thursday. I mean, we're still going to do it in general, but I think in this situation, let's make an exception because the back to backs, like, like we should be able let's watch the games Friday and then we'll either see if we stick by our picks or we can change them and we'll throw it up at over six sports on Twitter and we'll do that Saturday uh, morning. So, so yeah, Vancouver, Montreal, I expect probably Friday night, it's going to be Demco price. And that one I think can kind of go either way. That one's going to be closer, but when we get into Saturday and it's going to be Holtby versus Allen, I think I'd take Montreal for picking right now. I yeah. hope he has not been very good. So if we're going backup versus backup, it's a no doubter for me to go Montreal on Saturday. Yeah, the last time Hope he played, or basically when he played Toronto, I actually thought that he looked half decent, the turtle goalie. But uh, uh turtle goalie. Just when everybody was listening, it's turtle goalie because he smuggled it. Well, he brought his turtles across the border when he brought here, not because he turtles on the ice. Um, but no, I, I don't disagree. Um Gosh, I, you know, I, I want to agree with you and take Montreal, but I'm also down so many units that now I'm like trying to get units back. Uh, okay. Give me Montreal. Give me Montreal money line. Two units. Again, pay attention to our uh, Twitter here. Cause with that could change, it could stay the same. At over six sports. Yeah. On Twitter. We're hoping that we can just hold on and be from what you're hearing. We're going to try and hold that on, but. I mean, things could change this weekend. And the Toronto game to me is a way more interesting because you get if Mac or McElhaney, what year is it? What year is it for Toronto? It's a Hutchison in if Hutchison's in or Campbell, I have no idea. Like I I don't know where Campbell's injury status is at, right? Like if, you know, if, if we're assuming, I'm going to assume that it's probably going to be Anderson night one and Hutch night two. Like that's my guess. Um, and you know, if it's Hutch night two, I, I, I honestly think that the Leafs are going to rattle off a couple wins here. I think they're probably going to win both. I think they need to win both. Frankly, I think that it's coming into the point of the year where you need to rattle off some wins, and and especially when you're in the lead or or close to the lead, and there's teams right behind you, right on your ass. Got to start winning, right? And we'll get a little bit into this a little bit more on the recap. So, 
uh, or on the team kind of season recap. So yeah, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Maple Leafs money line. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is a huge disclaimer, but if Saturday, if Calgary loses the first game and then Hutch is in the second game, I'm gonna go Flames puck line on that. Ooh. I think Calgary under Daryl Sutter, if they lose on Friday, is gonna come out huge on the Saturday. And Hutch kind of showed what he had the last few years in his last game, so I think they'll come out big. Those are two big disclaimers. Yeah. Well, but, we're getting spicy here. I got two units on Montreal. You've got a, a, a puck line on uh, on Calgary. Subject well, to change, but hopefully we keep it the same. Yeah, I mean, a Flames puck line as the underdog could end up being like plus 300 or something. So that could oh, be... Oh, that would be that would be juicy. So the last game we have, there's no back-to-back in this one. So we'll get to pick this one today and hold on. It's the Jets versus the Oilers. Um, yeah, so, you know, I did not think... As, as we've said before... Halbuck is the reason why Winnipeg, frankly, is winning games. Or unless the other team just simply doesn't show up. That's the other thing, right? If a team doesn't show up, Winnipeg's got enough skill. Um, you know, Ehlers, Connors, uh, Shifley. They got enough skill that they can make you pay for it. I have not. I really did not think they looked that good, that good in the first two games of the Leaf series. I did not. I think, they, you know, I think if, if Halbuck doesn't, you know, play out of his mind for two games or even play, like, above average goaltending, they lose a lot. So I, I think they're I think they're kind of pretenders, and as I said, we'll get into that in the team season recap. But Edmonton's looked good. McDavid is, is backfiring. I I think you know I, Edmonton lost on the weekend, right? So it was that was a tough one, but they're, they're good enough where you know Halibut can't stop it if uh, if if McDavid makes stupid passes like he does. So give me uh, give me Oilers money line. Yeah, again, kind of touched on both things. I think about both these teams. Beginning of the year, I thought they they were going to be the ones fighting for the fourth spot. They both showed up better than expected at times, but I think they're both a little fraudulent, in my opinion. I actually think in a series, if they're going head to head against Montreal or Calgary, even with the standings the way they are, I might take Montreal and Calgary over these two teams. In the game that night, see, this is where I wish I knew the odds because I'd probably just take the dog either way. But I'll probably end up going Jets money line. Seems like a fair play. Okay, so we're gonna go opposites at least here. So yeah, so I'll go Jets money line. I just I think Hellebuck can come up big. He's had a couple off games against Montreal. I know he was really good against Toronto, but I'm gonna change mine. Feeling. I'm gonna change mine now that you said that. I'm gonna take Oilers puck line, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think that Edmonton wins that game by one goal. Because I think Hellebuck will be that good. Right? So if he's good, I think Winnipeg is going to win. I don't see Calgary or sorry Edmonton winning by one goal. Because if Hellebuck's bad, I think they're going to score four or five. So I yeah. can see like a 5-2 game. So give me, I'll change my mind. Give me Edmonton puck line. Yeah, don't mind that pick at all. So we'll get into my lock first. And I mean, right now, uh, I know you're going to fade the wings every week. But... If you're fading anybody in anything right now, it's got to be the Sabres. They are just man. Terrible. I really thought they they were going to win tonight. I mean, they, ha- they here's the problem, Cam. They have to win eventually. You just hope it's not on Sunday on your lock, right? Yeah. So it's actually the Saturday game against oh, the sorry, Sabres. Yeah. Sabres. I got Bruins. I'm going to go puck line, and it even make it a little more fun. Let's go two units. Oh my gosh, Bruins. Puck Who is line this guy over Sabres? I mean, the Bruins haven't been great five on five no. scoring, but. They don't give up that many, and the Sabres are just so bad. So, Man, you've have... gone from, like, boring golfer to, like, just this ballsy little gambler over here. I love it. 
Well, it's just getting boring with the, I mean, it's different when we're off the pod, but on the pod, we've just kind of been hovering around this 500, not doing so good. with oh, the I units. like it. Let's go. I, let's go hot. We got to bet some to make some. Yeah. I like that. You know what? Cause uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm already at like minus five units. So what's like minus 50 units. Who, who gives a shit? I'll do it. Um, I've been bouncing around on, uh, actually you want to make it really interesting. I'm going to give out two locks. I'm going to give out two locks. I'll give you the option to pick another one, but I'm going to give out two locks. I'm locking Blues Moneyline versus Sharks, two units. And I'm going to, of course, as I normally would, I'm going to fade the Red Wings. And I'm going to go Stars, Moneyline, just one unit. Those are my du- That's my double lock for the weekend, for the Saturday. I, I just want to, I'm going to spice it up. Yeah, I mean, I think you just got to keep fading the Red Wings every weekend. I mean, it's hurt you once, but I think... Overall, this season it's gotta it's gotta be a plus. It's gonna pay dividends. Are you gonna are you gonna go another lock? I kind of sprang that on you, but are you gonna you gonna lock another one? Keep it even, or are you gonna let me mire in my own misery of failed locks? Oh, I gotta try and find something now. So if we're gonna go anything, I mean I'm really liking this Islanders team right now. So I'll just stick money line. But I think the Islanders on Saturday over Philly seems like a good play. Philly's kind of in the dust here, and this Islanders team might be the best in the division, and they just keep coming with depth even missing Anders Lee now their captain possibly for the rest of the regular season they're still playing really good hockey so they're a good team to watch and a good team to bet on I know they're the team that keeps making me money every weekend because they're really not getting favored as much as I think they should I like it so we got five picks again double lock weekend you're welcome everybody we i have a feeling I said this last weekend but I have a feeling we actually could be some up some significant units this week uh, or or we crash and burn, and I'm probably going to be down like minus 10 like this week if I go 0-5 again, so love it. So uh, since we're in the halfway season of the NHL here, we wanted to touch on kind of our some of our main awards, what we're thinking so far, and then kind of give you a all-NHL team roster who we think's doing well. So we're going to start it off with the awards, and let's start it off with the big one, Burke. Start it off with the heart, the MVP of the NHL. So we mentioned this a couple weeks ago that – you know, well, you had well, we we kind of disagreed, but you had said there's ten guys in the conversation. I'm like, how is there ten guys? And then you do a little bit of a deep dive into like some of these stats and some of these numbers, and I'm like, holy shit, this guy wasn't wrong. Like, there's so many guys, and I know, and I'll even, I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong when I say there's only three guys. It's a little different, I think, this year with just how the divisions are. But there's so many guys that are just that just look so good, right? So, you know, at this point in the season. I don't see how you can't give it to Connor McDavid. I know that that's an easy layup kind of a pick, but halfway through this season, I mean, the guy's got 50 points in, and he's played, they've played what? 28 games, 29 games. I think they're up to 30 now, but yeah. Are they at 30. So he's got 50 and 30. Like if you, if you extrapolate that at over an 82 game season, this guy's at, at, at a, and he, this guy's at like what? Another 125, 130 point season. Like it's 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 outrageous, man. And not only that, keep in mind that he's still playing, you know, in my opinion, at least three of the three goalies who are in the top ten and or at least top fifteen, top half of the NHL on a weekly basis. So if he was playing teams like Detroit or Buffalo, could could you imagine how many points McDavid like they would have to sit him it's halfway through the second period this time. They wouldn't have they, they wouldn't sit him through the third, they'd sit him through like half the game. They might even just the next game sit him in the stand. So 
Uh, yeah, this, this guy's super special as we've said before. So that's my pick for the heart at this point. So, yeah, mine's going to be a different route. I mean, McDavid, you're going to get the Mike Trout, the LeBron James treatment. He's basically the MVP every year and you could hand it to him. But this right now, I'm going to go with Patrick Kane. The Chicago Blackhawks were a team you saw before the year. They were going to be right there with the Red Wings fighting for that lottery, fighting for the first, first overall. And he's just basically put this team on his back. He's third in the league in points with 42 and 30 games now. And he's just changed that team. They're missing Taze. They're missing Doc. And he's just stepped up. He's been one of the best players this year. And when I look at that, that's a team who wasn't supposed to do well at all. And he has them in the playoffs. And he's top three in points in the league. That's an MVP to me. And if they can make the playoffs, I think he's going to be there at the end of the season as well. And I mean, obviously, all these guys have to maintain pace, right? If McDavid, you know, ends the year with 65 points, that opinion will change. And obviously, at the end of the year, we'll we'll kind of revisit this and revisit what we said before and either stick with it or change it to somebody else who we think is going to win. Um, but do, do you think, I guess my only question with the Kane is, do, do, do you think that it's going to be sustainable for him? Like, I know that Chicago has been okay, but recently they haven't looked, I know two, three weeks ago, they were winning almost every night. And now they're kind of back to, it's almost like they're back to earth now, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Kirby Doc's back practicing. So he's going to be back in the lineup hopefully soon. So that'll be a nice piece to add, but I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, they got the rookie goalie who looks really good, who we'll talk about, I think, in a bit here. But So we'll kind of talk, but I think if Kane keeps up being top three in points and they make the playoffs, I, I think it's got to be him. But a lot of seasons still left to play. We're only at the halfway mark. I mean, a couple honorable mentions. I think he could throw Matthews in that conversation, could throw Dreisaitl. You could have that whole conversation. Uh, Hedman, I think, actually, as a defenseman, needs to be in there. And then Mark Stone was kind of the other guy I was throwing around. He had a great night last night in uh, for Vegas, eh? Just he he's was all just, over the place. I think he's super underrated, and we don't appreciate it. He's ranked top five in almost every defensive metric for a forward as well. Right. Which you got to count if you really get deep diving into the heart. So that's kind of you take McDavid, which is a layup, an easy one, but I, I think it's going to be Kane right now if you handed it out. But uh, You I mean, laid up the Buffalo locks. So I figured I'd just lay up the hard trophy. It's all good. <laughs> so next trophy we'll move into is the Vesna. And, I mean, I'll touch on this one first. You got first crack there. I don't even think it's right now a conversation. Marc-Andre Fleury has to be the guy right now. Guy's first in goals against, first in save percentage, first in shutouts, second in wins. And what a great story. This guy really wouldn't have been the starter if Leonard was healthy to start the year. And not only is he the starter, he's probably the best goalie in the league so far. So I think the Vesna would be going to him if it got handed out tomorrow, and I don't really know where else you'd give it. Well, and, you know, I think that uh, Leonard's out, right? Yeah, so, I mean, so Fleury's going to get all that runtime. I mean, he's been playing unreal anyway. Um yeah, I mean, actually, I was just looking at the stats now. The and the right now, the best goal in the league in terms of goals against average is uh, Peter Morazic. So we're not even going to touch that. Um, Sorry, okay. I did have to clarify that that was within guys who played. I think there's five games. Okay, where that's the hasn't played. Yeah. Okay. Morazic I was going to say count. Jack Jack Campbell's second with one point three three, and he also hasn't played five games. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, like I mean, yeah, so Flurry's got four shutouts. Uh, you know, 9.36, uh, save percentage goals against average 1.77. I don't disagree. Um, there's a lot of guys, you know, that I think look really good. I, and I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, I find it 
strange, I guess. Not well, not strange is the wrong word, but I would be surprised. I mean, Hello Bucks looked good this year. I felt at least, at least during the Leafs, he did. But I don't felt I don't think he's going to win the Vesna back to back, especially just with the North Division, right? I mean, obviously, you know, the with with the voters. I mean, you are going to get some in Canada. You are going to get some in the U.S. And the U.S. writers do not think the North Division is a good division. So realistically, I don't think he's going to get it. I think I, 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 I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, I think that Flurry's a front runner right now. But I did want to give an honorable mention to um, to Capo Kakinen, man. This guy's been for for Minnesota. He he's been he's been unbelievable. I mean, if you look at his you know if you look at his stats here, I mean, this guy from a shutout's perspective, I think he has one. Um, but on a wild team that I didn't personally think was going to be that good, I mean, he's got a 2.19, you know, goals against average, which is not, you know, that's not some, nothing to sneeze at. And he's and he's 9.22 on save percentage, right? Flurry's 9.36, Kakadin's, um, you know, 9.22. So, yeah, you could say that the, the, the 11 points there are going to be a lot, but I definitely think that he deserves to be in the conversation, even con- just considering the team that he plays on and, and what he offers to that team. Yeah, I definitely think he needs a few more games played because I think he's a little under what a couple of those other guys are, but we'll see. And I mean, there's a couple. Well, of he's those, just been but... emerging though, right? Because he wasn't the starter at the start. No, right? No. So and that's he, and... what. Once we get a bigger sample size, I think, it, I think that's what you need with a guy like him. So. I mean, the other guys you could definitely look at is Vasilevsky has to continue to be in the conversation. The guy had, what, three straight shutouts a couple of weeks ago? And you could add even, there's a few other guys. Lankinen looked there. He's kind of dropped off lately. But, I mean, right now I don't think you can really argue Flurry, and we'll see how not it Su- holds up. Not the Subban kid? <laughs> no. You sure? Yeah, he, had, he, had, well, he had a shutout. He had, he, had, he had a good shutout, I think, one game. <laughs> So then the next trophy we go into is the Norris, and I don't know who you have for this one, Burke. Victor Hedman. Yeah, I mean, if I thought Fleury we, we was a even, lock for the Vesna, I, the I don't Norris even, do we, is Hedman. Do we have to even talk about this? Like, really? I don't, I, don't, I don't see how, like, is there anybody else that even comes to mind for you? Not really. I mean, the guys, the two other guys who you'll probably get because they nominate three or three go to the final voting are probably Jeff Petrie and Aaron Eckblad, in my opinion. But I still think there's a major gap between those two and Hedman at the moment. The guy's first in points. Don't even think it's close. No, the guy's first in points, fifth on time on ice. He's the best defenseman right now, and I don't even know how you argue that. So, I mean, we can basically move on from that and move right into the Calder. And this one, I think there's probably five or six options. Yeah, what's okay? So let's just say who's out at this point. Lafreniere's out. Lafreniere is out, right? Yeah, because he. I mean, he was obviously hyped that he was gonna. He's been just not. I mean, that happens sometimes, right? With rookies, they just don't have a great first year. I mean, it's not unsurprising. It happens in a lot of sports. Um, yep. What's the? Is it the Kaprasov? Is that his name? Yeah, Kirill Kaprasov the, from Minnesota, the twenty-six-year-old rookie. Yeah. which is kind of BS, but like, that's the thing, right? Is I, I mean, if you're just looking at it from like, you can talk, like, that's a different discussion. If you want to talk about, you know, what qualifies as a rookie, if you play in the K for five years or whatever, you're still the rookie under the current guidelines. That's all we can go off of. And in my opinion, I think he's been the best so far this year. Yeah. He's been the best player is what I'll put it at. And he's definitely energized that entire Minnesota team. And I, think he's probably the favorite right now but i mean he's I mean, up six points on stutzler right now 10 he's got 10 goals and uh and 14 assists for 24 points yeah so the three guys i'd have nominated at the moment are 
Kaprasov, Stutzel. And then, I mean, being a goalie, I'd have to go with Lankinen. The guy's faced the second most shots in the NHL. He's sitting with a 285 goals against, 916 save percentage for a team who doesn't have a great decor in Chicago. Kind of surprising. And if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't be in a playoff spot with how he stepped up. So, what about Pius Suter? I just don't think he's in that conversation of up there with him. I mean, I like the guy who played for the Guelph Storm, so I watched him a ton in junior, but. I just don't think just he's don't up see- there with Kaprasov or Stutzel. Okay, so Kaprasov, as I said, he's got 24 points. So I, obviously, he's the front runner. Stutzel's got 18. Norris is 16 points. But Suter is third. You know, he's got 13 points. He's got eight. You know, he's got eight goals. So he's second in, in goal scores, and he just is a little farther behind on uh, on assists. Right? Like he's only got five assists, so that's kind of hurting him. But I don't know. It's it's just hard to say, man. Like Lankin and like. Like realistically, he's not going to get a sniff of the Norris, or sorry, not the Norris, the the Calder. He's not going to get. He's not even going to get close, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if he keeps doing what he's doing for the rest of the season, I mean, we've seen goalies win the Calder before, so it wouldn't shock me. And I definitely put a premium on goaltending being a goalie. So yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the more interesting awards. I definitely think Kaprasov's pulling away, and if you're going to put money on right now, he's probably pretty heavy favorite so and people are passionate about that though like as, as we just got you to mention right like i've i've read online people anytime people are like or nhl.com or whoever will post you know kaprasov is you know front runner for calder or whoever and man like people are like oh, that's bullshit he played in the k this that and the other thing and i'm like if you want to change the requirements for that like we're changing the court requirements for that but under the current thing like he's the best under the rules so it is yep. what it is. Like I don't, I don't see how you can really argue that. It's just a different conversation. If eligibility is the conversation you want to have, then Stutzla is like. If it's just rookie straight up, then it's got to be Stutzla, right? Yeah. But if it's if you, but if it's just who's the best current rookie under the guidelines right now, then I, I think Kaprizov is, is taking yep. it for sure. So we'll kind of move into our all NHL team here. So we just kind of did like an all NHL team. So three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. I mean. The first two forwards, I think we both pretty much agree on with McDavid and Kane. I don't think there's much arguments there. Yep. And by the way, we're not choosing left wing, right wing, center. We're just choosing the three best forwards, the two best defensemen, and the best goaltender in our opinion right now. So McDavid, number one. Kane's right up there. The number three spot, I kind of sat around here for a bunch. And my pick for the number three spot, I'm going to go how much it pains me to say it. I'm going to go Austin Matthews. The guy's first in goals. I've seen a huge development in his game all around. He's definitely, I mean, you'll hear Leafs fans say he's elite defensively. He's not elite defensively, but no. he's definitely much improved and definitely seems to care in that end of the ice. So, so far this year, I think he's got to be in that all NHL team and he's my third forward. I'm not arguing with you. That's <laughs> no what I, I mean, honestly, I, that that's who I was going to pick too. I mean, cause if you look at it and say, okay, which other guy are you going to take over him? Um, you know, you, there, there's an argument for Drysaddle there, but I think just for an all NHL team, man, like this guy is just—he's he, on a torrid pace right now. He's got 21 goals. He's scoring goals with still a bummed wrist. Thankfully, injuries aren't part of this conversation. Just from a skill level perspective, I don't—he's—he's—he's he's a, he's a top tier player in the league. He's not an elite defenseman by any means, but as you said, his his presence in the end, in his own end, and has definitely been better. His—he's his, not playing a you know, a hundred foot game anymore. He, he's, he's playing more. He's playing like a 180 foot game. He's not quite all the way there, but he's getting there. And that's where like, I got three honorable mentions here. You touched on dry sidle. And then the other two are 
those elite defensive forwards in Stone and Barkov. So that's a lot of the things that you don't see on the NHL.com leaders is how good they are on their own end. And they're both really good offensive players as well. So I think they definitely deserve to be in the mentions. But, I mean, we're pretty unanimous here then. McDavid, Kane, Matthews are our three forwards. I think Huberto's making a case as an honorable mention as well. Yeah. I mean, I he's mean, he, he he's had a good year. Like, he's been decent for sure. Um. But, I mean, once you get to that, then you're splitting hairs, right? Like, you yeah. know, you don't throw Marner up in the audible mentions. You can throw, you know, whoever, man. Like, you want to throw Jack Eichel. I don't know. Not Jack yep. Eichel. Save suck. <laughs> so then we move in the defenseman. And, again, the first defenseman we don't even need to talk about. It's Victor nope. Edmund. And, yep. Yeah, move on. So second defenseman. I'm happy to say I'm going to go with a half this time, though. Jeff Petrie, guy's second in points. He's fourth in the league in plus minus, first in goals. He's just really stepped up his game this year, and he looks like one of those elite defensemen, which is super nice when you look at how many defensemen Montreal has. And, I mean, hard to argue with a lot of those stats right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, mine's going to be uh, Eric Carlson for the uh, – oh, no, sorry. This is 2021, not uh, 2018. Sorry, my bad. Uh, just wanted to touch on, I don't know if you, you definitely saw the comments, right? Where he's like, yeah, I want to, I didn't sign up for a rebuild and yeah, they didn't sign up for a bomb of a defenseman either. Eric, get your head out of your ass. Like anyway, moving on from that. just wanted to point that out. Uh, mine's John Carlson though. I would love to back you up with, with another hab. I mean, you, you picked my boy, so I should pick your boy too, but I don't know, man. John Carlson, Carlson's been, uh, you know, been a stud this year. Guys, second in points, tie with Petrie. Um, actually, the one the one that we really should have mentioned as well was Quinn Hughes. He's been playing really, really well for Vancouver. Yeah, to me, when you go talk about a defenseman, you got to talk about a guy who can play in his own end, and Quinn Hughes cannot. He's horrible in his own end. He is a fourth forward, in my opinion. Uh, offensive defenseman. So Very offensive even, defense. Yeah, I don't even have him in the conversation or even in my honorable mentions. He's he's impressive what he does in the offensive zone, but to me he's a fourth forward and not even an offensive defenseman. You look at like Petrie, Carlson, Hedman, they're leading the league in points as D, and they're all good in their And they're defensemen. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that you're, it's really hard. I mean, I really like Petrie's game this year for sure, and he kind of showed a little bit of that. Like at the end of the playoffs last year, right, he scored some big-time goals. And I thought he played really good shutdown D in his own end. And then he's really just carried that over this year. So I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that it's a fine line between the two. I think Victor Hedman's number one for sure. But between Petrie and Carlson, like I, I don't think I can really pick. So it's um but as I said, I think Carlson's a, a stud for the all NHL team. Yeah, my uh, honorable mentions I had were Carlson. Aaron Eckblad definitely needs to be in the conversation a little more with what Florida's doing. And then the guy who probably would have been there if it wasn't for injuries is Kale McCarr. When he's healthy, he looks like he's going to win multiple Norrises over his career. So I got to throw him in there. I mean, so then we touch on our last position goalie. I mean, we talked about the Vesna, so to me it's really not a question mark. It's Marc-Andre Fleury for that position as well. Yep, right now. So we're going to touch on that. That's pretty easy. So my team is McDavid, Kane, Matthews, Hedman, Petrie, and I got Fleury. So only one difference on your team, and that's instead of Petrie, you have John Carlson, which I don't think is a bad pick. No, and I think, and by the way, we, we did not talk really about this beforehand. Um, I think that just goes to show that like the guys that we're picking right now, it's, it's so obvious and, and at least in our opinions, how close it is. 
that these guys are the best of the best in the NHL. Yep. So, uh, I mean, now we're just going to basically kind of touch on the year so far for a lot of the North division, because that's primarily what we watch, what we care about, which most of our listeners watch and care about. I mean, we do have a Red Wings fan, but nobody wants to spend much time talking about them. So no, zero time. Talk about them enough. So I'm going to start this out West and just kind of touch on Vancouver a little bit. We'll start it there. I mean, you want to go ahead then Burke and give me your thoughts on Vancouver's first half of the year. Yeah. So um, I thought Vancouver had a really bad start to the year. I mean, I, I remember specifically having a conversation with you about when the Leafs had played them earlier in the year that I was like, man, these guys are awful defensively and, and just awful in net. And all that stuff, right? And then you know they've, you know they're still sitting in six though. You know they they've had some goal. I mean their their goal differential is minus thirteen right now. They're just not that good on the road. Um, you know, like what we'll summarize every team's record, right? So they're eleven, twelve, or sorry, where are we here? Fourteen, sixteen, and two. So you know that's a lot of. That's a, I mean similar to Calgary and. Um, you know, to Calgary and uh, and Ottawa, you, you got a lot of of uh, of losses that you're not getting points on. Like if you look at the Habs, the Habs have seven extra points, which puts. I mean, you know, you could argue, well, yeah, some of those should have been wins, but they have seven extra points, man. They're, it's throwing you into the into the four spot because if you look at it right now, I know there's games in hand, but like Calgary has one game in hand over over Montreal, and they've got 14 wins. You know, Vancouver's got 32, so they've played, they're tied for playing the most, and they're still, like, they're still three points out with four games in hand. So they show flashes from time to time. I just don't think they have it, man. I don't think that they have it defensively still. And if Demko cannot play at the pace that he's playing for the rest of the season, it's not going to happen. They're just not going to have enough. No, that's basically it. I think the expectations for Vancouver with the pieces they lost were just too high. Markstrom to Foley. And uh, Tanev, losing those three guys is going to hurt your team. And Elias Pettersson hasn't been the player people keep thinking that he's going to be. And I don't know if he's going to end up being that player. Well, he's Demko, always hurt. Like, he's been, Dem- what, hurt, yeah. hurt twice this year? But, yeah, Demko's making their season interesting. I still don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I still think they're going to finish in that sixth spot and not really be in the conversation. But Demko's showing that he can steal games here or there. So, it's kind of – that's the way it is. So, I mean – kind of continue out west is the way i had this set up so we'll kind of move into calgary then and kind of what they are and we talked about this earlier i mean i think that you know the beauty of us being able to look back at this is that the coaching change has obviously worked you know because they were not doing they were okay right they they weren't doing anything super special but now they've rattled off a couple wins and they're kind of getting their swagger back right like that's the big thing is they, they lost kind of i think they and whether you want to blame the coach or whatever happened, they just kind of lost who they were and they lost their, they kind of lost that team identity. And it's amazing what changing the scenery does. And I, this is kind of, I think what they want to do in Montreal too, is, you know, change the scenery a little bit, get that spark and get the swagger back in the room. You know, they're sitting in fifth right now. Um, You know, Edmonton's sitting in third. They've got two games in hand. They're only five points up. Like it's right there. Montreal's got one game in hand and they're two points up. Like if Calgary can continue to win these games and get a little help, like they they just can't afford to go on another skid. Like every team, I will give you one set. Like I'll give you one skid. Like Montreal had their skid. Calgary had their skid. The Leafs are currently in their skid. 
you know, Edmonton had their skid. Winnipeg had a little bit of a skid. Everybody gets one. You can't afford to have another. You can you can lose a game here. You can lose a game there. You can't lose three, four in a row. So if that happens in the next 20 games where they lose four or five in a row, then they're done. But hopefully they can maintain this pace. Yeah, I thought Calgary was going to be the number two seed in this division at the start of the year. You looked at the pickups they had with Markstrom, Tanev, kind of figured out a couple of weak spots on their team. You look at Kachuk, you look at Lucic, they should be hard to play against, and they weren't for the first half of this year. They were the biggest mess in the division, I'd say. Yep. I'd say for a while there, they looked worse than Vancouver or Ottawa and when they're supposed to be a top team. So I think Daryl Sutter's the right guy to help bring this team. He simplifies it. He's going to hold people accountable and, I mean, bag skating, doing that sort of stuff. And I think they're going to be hard to play against, and they have a lot of skill on that team. I think they're going to end up sneaking into the playoffs this season, and they just got to keep it up. They look like a completely changed team these last couple of games against Montreal now, and then picking up that third win in a row. So, and if they can sneak in with, you know, assuming the Leafs get first, which I'm not, I you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but you know, if I if they if the Leafs were in first, or really any team in first, do you want to play a hot Calgary team in the first round? I don't. I mean, let's be honest here. I don't want to play really any of these hot. The only team that I'd really be wanting to play in the first round, maybe the only one that I could say would be like, let's just assume that it's Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, Calgary in this, in this scenario. I think Winnipeg is the team I want to play because as long, like, I don't think the team has enough. Now you run into Hellebuck, but the other two, like, I don't want to play Montreal and Calgary if they're hot. No, thanks. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm feeling. So Calgary could be a really scary team in the playoffs. They're deep enough. They got the goaltending. They got pretty good defense on that team. So And if Milan Lucic, man, look out for that guy in the playoffs. He snipes. So we'll move, uh, stay in Alberta here and move on to Edmonton then. Yeah, and I think Edmonton again, um, you know, they've they've lost a, they've lost a few games. I think that they're good enough. Like they're a good enough team. I still think that they're a little bit of a pretender team. Like just a little bit. I don't know what it is. Like they're sitting in third. They've got the second most games played. Um, I mean, there's two. Number one and number two are Vancouver and, and Ottawa with 32. But they've played 31. They're four points out of first. They got swept by the Leafs. Like I just find that Edmonton is very one-dimensional. If they can find a way to take their game and make it not one-dimensional, and part of that is is because I don't think they have the depth that they need, which is shocking considering the amount of first-round picks they've had over the last 10 years. But they just don't have the depth at this point. Now, the trade deadline's still coming up, but I don't think they have the depth right now. And if you can do what the Leafs did, man, you shut down your two best players and they can't do anything. They can't They can't score. They, can't, they cannot do anything. So I think that this third place thing, like I actually could see if, if they don't change up their game plan and change things up, I think they will. But I would, would you be shocked to see them be the fourth seed right now? I see Edmonton as being the odd man out, actually. I think they're not going to make the playoffs. You think they're going to drop that far? Yeah, they're technically fourth in points percentage. Montreal's ahead of them in points percentage, if you look at it that way. I just, there's too many flaws on this team. Their goaltending is not good enough. And their goaltending is not going to get it done in the playoffs, in my opinion. And their defense is suspect. Their depth is suspect. I mean, you have two of the top 10 players, arguably top five players in the NHL. And, I mean, you're not going to shut both of them down for seven games. I know Toronto did it for three, but McDavid's going to go off in a seven-game series at least once. I just I don't see how this team pulls it together without making a couple moves, and they're so close to the salary cap, I don't know what they do. And you're not going to solve that goaltending. Koskinen and Smith are just not good enough. 
Well, and if they if they're gonna make it, I mean, it, it has to be Drysital and McDavid who drag him there. But I don't really know what more you can ask Matt or uh, McDavid to do. Fifty points in thirty games, thirty-one games. Like, come on, man! Like he's he's dragged you so far. Somebody else has got to step up here. Yeah. So I actually, if anybody's gonna slide out of that playoffs, I think it's gonna be them. They just have too many flaws on their roster. I think. Look, to if you so up. listeners, if you look this up, look up at uh, Cam's been pretty good with these kind of off. Uh, these kind of bets. So look up and see if you can find a prop that's will Edmonton make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. I, I bet you that the, right now they're probably plus money on not making the playoffs. So put a few units down on that. So we'll keep moving our way east and then check in in Winnipeg. Again, Winnipeg is in the second seed. I don't see it. I don't like unless Hellebuck plays out of his mind for the next, you know, 28 games, which he's not even going to play all of those games. I just don't, I do not see that how that team, and I, I, I get it, I get it. They got five points against the Leafs. I th- and, and one of those Hellebucks stole for sure. One of those Leafs were played horribly. So I think best on best, like, and as I said, we, I can't, we can't predict how well other teams are going to play, right? All we can say, all we can do is analyze the team as they stand right now. I, I don't. As I said earlier, I think this is a pretender team. Like they're they're complete. If if you had um. You know, a, a completely different goal. Like if you had Matt Murray in Winnipeg right now, they'd be last in the in the North Division, in my opinion. If you put Halibut on Ottawa, I bet you they'd be probably four, four third, right? Close. Yeah, they got to they got to be there. Ottawa would be ahead of Vancouver for sure, and they'd be fighting for that playoff spot and pretty good in the, into that. Like they'd be fighting for that fourth spot pretty heavily. I just look at Winnipeg and their top six forwards might be better overall than anybody else in the division overall one through six and they have arguably the best goalie in the division you look at their d though and i'm like they're like third d might not even make some of these teams d in general and then you look even their their like last couple lines are not good they rely on hellebuck being amazing which he can be he's a Vesna winner last year and counterattack scoring because they got high-end guys dubois eelers uh, Shifley, yep, Connor, like they got the guys to do it, but I just don't think that's a recipe for success, especially in playoff times. I, they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're probably going to be the two or three seeds still. I don't see them falling all the way to fourth. But you well, it's know. a great point, honestly. That is a, a fantastic point because I had actually forgotten about that. But like the one game that they had played against the Leafs that I actually didn't think the Leafs played terribly in, um, and yeah, so hell, but kind of shut the door. But they they had almost they had ha- almost half the shots the Leafs did. They really didn't have many high danger chances. But and, I, and we were texting about this at the time. I said you cannot pinch on these guys, give up a turnover in a two on one because it's in the back of your net. After the first time that happened, I said I texted you that, and then three minutes later, what happens? Dermot pinches at the blue line. Pockets poked out two on one back of the net. Either scores again, and I'm like seriously, these guys like they're not the Leafs. Hat we're all over them. Most of the game, analytically, the Leafs looked like the better team, but but they scored four goals, like three, four goals on that counterattack. So I think that you're right. Like playoff hockey is going to be much different. Guys aren't going to take the same chances necessarily that they that they do in regular season that they're going to do in the playoffs. So then, yeah. what it comes down to is you and your goalie has to be the best. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is, I mean, I still don't want to play Hellebuck in a seven-game series. That guy can Absolutely easily not. steal a series. And But that's the thing. You look at a team like Toronto, they've been able to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl because there's two guys you're keying in on. With Winnipeg, you do have to key on six guys on their top two lines, and if they move those guys around a bit, it's tough. So that's where it's tough with some of those pinches and giving it up. I mean, you give up a chance to Edmonton and you're giving it up to Jujar Kara. You're really not that worried. You look at Winnipeg and you have Nick Ehlers in that spot. You're pretty worried if he gets a high danger chance. So, yep. I mean, it looks a little silly because they're scoring a ridiculous rate of high danger chances, but you look at that top six and that can continue. Yep, for sure. So we'll move into Ottawa before we move into our two teams here. And I mean, Ottawa's got the worst goaltending in the division, which I think is kind of the big story, but Ottawa looks good. I almost want to say at times like they're Owen seven against Edmonton, but everybody else they're playing hard. And I mean, Tim Stutzel just looks like he's going to be a star in this league for years. I mean, Stutzel is the bright point of Ottawa this year. Is he not? Cause I mean, Brady Kachuk's also looked really good. I think that he's had, you know, he, he's had a great start or first half of the season. Um, but it, it's yeah I mean it is what it is it is it's what you said at the start you know they're a scrappy team they got enough talent to make games competitive but at the end of the day they're going to get last in the division their goaltending is just not good enough because Matt Murray does not look like the Stanley Cup champion from a couple years ago and maybe he did maybe he wasn't that goalie then maybe his defense was so good that he didn't need to be but man he just like the last game that I watched them play he was letting in horrific goals yeah it actually won't shock me if they start playing uh, this Joey Decord guy more. He's a guy who played NCAA and is kind of an interesting prospect, and he looked good the other night, got them the win. The other guy who's really stood out is Drake Batherson. The guy's got 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 points. Josh Norris has been good. They got all these guys who've played a few years in the AHL are still like 20 to 22, but got a couple years of pro experience who are really showing what they're worth now. And, I mean, you knew it wasn't going to be a terrific year for Ottawa. They were going to be near the bottom of the standings. But everything I'm seeing from there, I just see a perfect development year and a lot of bright signs other than their goaltending, really. Well, and if you you had told an article that you had read, I just want to bring this up before we move on from Ottawa, because I believe it was our first or second full-length podcast or whatever it was. I was going on a rant about nobody's scoring on Frederick Anderson, and there's a writer, I guess, who listened to me because somebody that I said was nobody came up as what was the article called? It was nobody's turning into somebody's in the NHL. And who was it? That was nobody turning into a somebody. So they had seven people, but one of them you mentioned was Artem Zub. Zub. Apparently this, uh, yeah. So he heard, he listens to the podcast and turned into a somebody. So, um, a nobody in this league right now is John Tavares and Morgan Riley and uh, who else is a nobody? Uh, well, Joe Thornton, obviously. Yeah, he's a nobody. You know, all, all these nobodies on the Leafs, they got to, you know, that that's it. Nobody's, they can't score on anybody. So let's put that I mean, out in the world. This article basically was a shot right at you, but I will give you it. The article did talk about how he's just a phenomenal defensive defenseman. So maybe the breakaway goal was kind of an outlier, okay. but all right. he still is turning into a somebody. Okay, well, I did feel attacked by it for sure. Um, but hey, I mean, yeah, like the, the back spot by point that a defenseman like that shouldn't, uh, yeah, offensively, he's a nobody. Let's just go with that. He's offensively a nobody. But what can we can we can move into the Leafs, I think. Or yeah, what do you I mean, have we've, first? We've started off out west. We threw Ottawa in there to touch on the 
Leafs and Habs last, but let's talk some Leafs now. Okay, so um, I've been waiting for a while. To, I mean, because when we recorded this last Tuesday, it was not – I mean, the Leafs had just come off a loss. Um, you know, they won the Wednesday night, I believe. Then they won – no, they won the Thursday night. Well, I forget what, what nights it was. Whatever. The whole last week went by fast. But, yeah, they they just did not have a great trip. And, you know, they, they went – um, well, I mean, out West, they did okay. I think overall, you know, three against Edmonton, they won, they lost two against Vancouver and they lost two of three versus Winnipeg. So it was close to even, they're still, they're still first. And and I think, you know, there, this is some, this is most of the rhetoric right now. I think surrounding the Leafs and Leafs media is, is that, you know, they're okay. And kind of what I said, uh, uh, jokingly at the start of the podcast, right? Relax a bit, right? The whole relax a bit thing I was talking about, you know, like the sky's not falling. You're still in first place. You know, there's there's teams with a couple games in hand. That's fine. You're still doing all right, right? But that being said, you're on a bit of a skid here. You've lost five of six. And I said on the last podcast, and I've been saying to you for a while, that I think that teams need adversity. You you cannot win and just cruise to a division title and waltz into the playoffs because you get your teeth kicked in. Look what happened to Tampa. before They won the cup last year, but the year before they got swept by Columbus. And they waltzed through that year, won the President's Trophy, and got torched because they lost the first game. We were like, oh, shit, what do we do? They had no idea. So I'm fine with a six-game skid. If it gets to 10 games where, like, let's just say they only win one out of their next four, so you win two of 10, then my level of concern is high because that's a 20, that's 20, you know, 20% of the year, 18% of the year that you just haven't shown up and you got to figure something out. Now, along with that, Kyle Dubas, you have to go all in. And there was news that came out today that basically he's saying that there's no prospect that's that's off limits, um, which I think is the right thing to, I mean, I think it's the right thing to put out there. Trades are a little bit tougher this year with, you know, if you're trading with teams in the US, they got to go through a 14-day quarantine coming into Canada. Um, you have to go all in this year. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is an all-in year. With all the signings and stuff you have to do this summer, this team is going to look completely different next year than it is this year, and there's no doubt about it. There is a big piece moving out of Toronto. I don't know who it is, but somebody, a big player is moving out of Toronto, and you're going to have to start again with prospects and that kind of stuff and drafting correctly and kind of reset. So you're looking for the window. This is your window right here. You have to go all in. Yeah, I mean, Toronto's in an interesting spot. I mean, kind of everything that's happened the last two weeks has backed up what I thought. We live in southern Ontario, so we heard everywhere that, oh, the Leafs are so dominant, but it's the weak north division, and they're so far ahead of everybody. How are they going to match up? And I'm like, they're the favorites, for sure. But this division's a lot tougher and closer than you think it is. And it's kind of showed us, showed up and kind of shown that I was right with that fact. You're seeing on this slide here, you're seeing a lot of the things that I thought were the issues with the Leafs come up. I mean, their goaltending hasn't been phenomenal. I think Anderson will figure it out. They have a couple big holes on that D. Dermott is not an NHL defenseman, in my opinion. He's kind of your, in a baseball terms, your quad A player. Too good for the AHL, but not quite good enough for the NHL. He's maybe fine as a seventh D, but 
if you can't get your sixth D to play penalty kill and stuff, and he's playing like eight minutes, you can't have that. You need somebody who can at least play penalty kill and dump it high off the glass. And if you really don't trust Dermot enough to do that, that's an issue. So the Leafs are still in a good spot, and I'm not going to argue that. But yeah, I agree with you. They got to make a move. They got to try and get a top six forward. I don't think. I think you got to look for a D. I think that's important. And it's not like the Leafs have. I'd say like Robertson's a good prospect, but he's not a top top end prospect. I don't. He's not an A plus prospect. So for nobody being off limits, I think that makes sense. I mean, you've even seen Sandine. If he was that good, he would be in that sixth defenseman right now. Hundred percent. So again, he's a good prospect, but he's not elite prospect. So, so I this, think it's. I mean, as as you said, yeah, it's it's okay. And and, and you said right, you're 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 in a fine spot. You know, if you thought the Leafs were gonna run away with the division, like, man, you gotta understand. There's good. There's other good teams in the league. Lots of good teams in the league, and it's not always the best the best team on paper or the best team that you think should win that wins. It's the team that works the hardest. I think one of the things the Leafs have done. In this first half, I think overall they've worked harder. They've won more puck battles. They're they're definitely grinding more on defense. I think that Brody and Bogosian have been a good fit with the Leafs. I know that people are you know complaining about well, and I see this all the time online. You know they they need more toughness. They need this. They need that. I don't know what more you want. Have you seen Bogosian whack people in front of the net? Like I know like these guys aren't fighting people, but Wayne Wayne Train did. Wayne Simmons did before he's injured. I think that the team is missing that. Like, like I think the Leafs already have that that sandpaper that they need. He's not playing right now, but you know, do you need a couple? So yeah, so an extra defenseman would be great. Do you need a you need a top six forward or even a, you know somebody else to round out some depth? Well, I think that's a big thing. The top six forward because right now you're seeing it over the last couple of weeks. If Marner and Matthews aren't scoring. They almost turned into Edmonton a little bit, not quite. I mean, I mean, Tavares is yeah, like Tavares needs somebody else though. That's the thing. I think he he struggles with Nylander because I just don't feel like they fit. Yeah, if if the, if Marner and Matthews aren't scoring and you get average goaltending, I don't even think it's been below. It's been average a lot of games. Yep, they're not going to win many games, and you should be winning more games with Tavares and Nylander putting up more than they have and i know neilander's had a couple good games he has there, i was but... just about to say that like he's actually will... the last couple games been been a stud we'll give him some credit there but yep. still you just look especially the bottom six is you got nobody putting the puck in the net i mean you have mikhayev who's actually one of the hardest working players and stuff but i don't know if he's ever gonna score consistently i don't even know if he could score 10 goals in a year with his hands and shot but well, I mean, the guy's had probably the most shorthanded breakaways in the league by far, and he he's put like none of them in. I mean, he did score the other night. I will give him that versus Winnipeg, but um, yeah, I mean, there's it's going to be interesting to see trade deadlines coming up. So I, as I said, you know, to summarize, I I still think they're in a good spot. You know, if if the slide happens a little bit more, I'll be I'll be a little bit worried. But overall, I think they're in a comfortable position. I don't think they're missing the playoffs. So, um. I think that's a good place to to wrap it up for our Leafs and move into your into your boys, the Habitants. Yeah, and I mean, is there a more Jekyll and Hyde team in the NHL right now? When they look good, they're beating Winnipeg 7-1, 4-2, beating Vancouver 5-1. I mean, even some of the games against Toronto, they've just looked completely dominant. And then other nights, they just don't come out hot and just kind of look average. I mean, they dominate a lot of 5-on-5 five five plays still, but just don't get wins. And I mean, it's again, we've discussed this last week. 
going 0-8 and and shootout in overtime is just ridiculous. Oh, it's horrible, man. It's just like when they're at their high, they can beat anybody in this division. And if they play a seven-game series, even against the Leafs, when they're playing their best, and even if Toronto's playing their best, I think that could go either way. It's just Montreal's been too Jekyll and Hyde this year, had too many really low games, and it's starting to become an issue. I mean, they're still in a fine spot. They're sitting third in the division in point percentage. You go on a three-game stretch here where you win three in a row, and you can vault yourself back into that second place pretty handily. Well, yeah, and we kind of said at the start of the year, right, that we thought that the Leafs and the Habs would be a pick right? Like if, if it gets to a seven-game series in the playoffs, it, it could be a pick But I think both teams are like that, right? Like right now, like right in the first little bit, like right, I think, you know, both of them at the start of the year, like the Leafs, they're, sorry, the Habs were called a juggernaut at the start of the year. The Leafs were, they, at least they said the Leafs were going to win the division because they were the best team by far. Like this, the rhetoric behind this, like everybody's got to pump the brakes a little bit because every team really has flaws. And I don't know. I think Montreal's got the one thing that I do like about Montreal is I feel like the energy and like the people they have in the room are the right people to have. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy who's won the leadership award in Weber price has always been talked about as a leader. And then you just picked up some proper veterans. You got Edmondson, you got Toffoli, they got cups. And I mean, that's one thing that's been super happy about Montreal is you have Toffoli who's playing a lot of third line minutes and he's what's tied for second in league in goals. Yep. Incredible, man. Your depth scoring's there. Deneau hasn't really stepped up, and he's kind of their second line, and same with Tatar. But the big surprise and the nice thing to see since Ducharme and stuff has came in is Price has actually been the second-best goalie besides Demko now over the last couple of weeks. Their power plays moved up to 13th in the league when it was like 28th. Their penalty kill is still sliding a bit and down to 22nd. But there's a lot of really good signs here. And you still watch the team. You watch them five on five, and they're just holding play. Like nobody's really holding play with them five on five. And I just still can't stop talking about the way Josh Anderson looks every game. That guy stands out. So I'm really, I still think they're probably the second best team in this division. I think they'll probably, I'd say they're probably going to finish third, but I'm not really too worried, especially with no true home ice advantage in a two three matchup in the playoffs. I still feel pretty good. So, I mean, it would be shocking to see them miss the playoffs. I know that's kind of, they're in the fourth spot right now and only two points ahead of Calgary with a game at hand, but I just think they're too they good. They could go on a run, to though. Miss. Yeah, I think they're too good of a team and they've been playing too good to miss the playoffs. And you look at like the seven extra points they have or eight extra points and shoot out overtime, at least half of those they should have won. I mean, Vancouver stole the one with half, like 30 seconds left in the game, so there's easily three or four more points you should have. And that puts you right with Winnipeg for second. So yeah, puts you right up there. I totally agree, man. And by the way, um, going back to the Toffoli Anderson thing, that was like your only bad take of the year was that Anderson was going to lead the Habs and goals. I mean, he's only not. six back, but he was injured for a bit. So I'm going to, yeah, but six back, man, I got half the year still left. They've only played Toffoli's this night. Would you want to change? Do you want to change that take? Or are you going to stick with Anderson? Can I go Anderson the rest of the season will score more than Toffoli? I'll give you that. Put I it on the record. Think, yeah, Anderson will score more this last half of the season than Toffoli will. Okay, I like it. Will he score more than Matthews? No. It's, I, I don't see Toffoli <laughs> keeping up somewhat pace either. Toffoli's going to fall off. I mean, I think it's a great be... story, though, man. Honestly, though, like, again, the pace that he's on right now, right? Like, he's like, what's that? Is that 40 goal pace in an 82? 
Yeah, I'd have to do the math. 17 and 28 is pretty good. So it's pretty darn close, at least, right? Like it's 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 definitely up there. I think you're 40 gold pace, though. Yeah, I mean, and the guy scored 25 almost every year in his career, where it's just crazy that he's probably at this pace going to do it again in a shortened season. So you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, he'd be actually, he's on pace for 49.7 right now. So okay, 50 goal season. There you go. Yeah, who would have thought Tyler Toffoli would be on pace for a 40 goal or 50 goal season? So. Well, that's not going to last, but I mean, hey, man, it's a good story and good for them. So so that kind of that kind of wraps it up, unless you got anything else you want to add there. So, Burke, I just want to take your halfway through the uh, North Division here. What are your rankings for teams? Give me your one through seven where you think they will finish. Okay, I'm going to go. Uh, I, st- I think the Leafs are going to finish first. I think they're going to pull it out. Um, I'm going to go. Ooh, man, this is tough because I just, as I say, all these reasons, right? It's so hard to pick one. Um, okay, so as I said, Leafs. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say Winnipeg, Montreal, Calgary. No, sorry. Winnipeg, sorry. Toronto, Winnipeg, Montreal, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Ottawa. Wow. That's uh, some interesting things there. I don't disagree. Toronto should finish one unless something I just really think something crazy is going to happen, man. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I, like, I know, like, Vancouver above, above Calgary, like, I know, I know. Like, they don't have the greatest defense, but it's just, I mean, and by the way, I, I don't think that this is, I, like, it legit could come down to the last week. Yeah. Like, like you know, all of these teams within the last week could be right there. Yep. So I'm going to go a little different with you. I'm going to go Mont- or Toronto 1 still. Going to hope my Habs pull through and uh, finish in that two seed, although it wouldn't shock me if they finish three. I think Jets are going to finish three, Calgary four, Edmonton five, Vancouver six, Ottawa seven. So I have Edmonton falling out of the playoffs and Calgary sneaking their way in. Yeah, I yeah I see the re- I see the reasonings there. I think that that's the tough part, right? Is is like I basically just moved around. You know, I kind of moved around the top four because I think if you look at it overall, those are probably the best four teams. Now, the positioning of those can change. And then you really, it's just, okay, so obviously Ottawa is going to be last, but then Calgary, Vancouver, who's winning 5-6, I think that's kind of a coin flip. That's the way that I look at it. But I could, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. If Edmonton pops out, you could see some big changes coming there. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think from the majority of people's thoughts that we're going to see Montreal Winnipeg first round in that 2-3 spot. So that'll oh, that's be, not good for you. That'll be an interesting matchup. But <laughs> we'll, well there see you how go. this finishes. But halfway through the year, I like our takes. And, I mean, there's good reasonings to go any of the ways we're going. Yeah, man. We're doing – it's 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 not bad. And, and you know what, as I said, so, you know, at the end of the season, once we get done, you know, before playoffs, there, there will probably be a little bit of a break. So we will revisit this, kind of go back and have a look and see how we did. And we will uh, we'll summarize all that. So, once again, Cam, we're setting records for our podcast for six minutes longer than last week. So for everybody on the pod who loves listening to uh, – because we got a bunch of requests last week so it's like you guys should record longer because you know this podcast is this time we try to keep it as short as we can in a sense we do like to give you all the content that we have lots of headlines this week but we really hope that you enjoyed this episode lots of nhl north division content and north and all nhl content really Uh, happy to do it anything else you want to add cam before we head out of here 
no, that is all. It's uh, another good week for sports and another really important week in this North Division now. Absolutely. As always, and we've mentioned it throughout the show, you can follow us at Over Six Sports. Both of our Twitters are attached to that as well, so you can follow us for our, our picks. We are going to try to post more daily picks. I'm currently 4 of 6 on the one I posted today. I'm 4 of 6 on my six-teamer, which is a, I think it was a 30 to 1 odds or something like that. So have a peek at the Twitter. And as always, for the Over 6 Sports Podcast, I'm Zach the Bandit Burke. And with me, as always, it's Cameron Charlton this week. Cameron, Turf, King, Charlton. We will chat with you next week.